So good morning, listeners, and welcome to Sacred Space 102 FM, which is a Come and See Inspirations production, being produced here in our Come and See studio here in Ada. And this, it is the, the 9th of May. It's the sixth Sunday after Easter. My name is John Keeley. And help me to present and produce the programme again this morning, Shane Ambrose. Good morning to you, Shane. Good morning, John. How are we keeping? We're good. Thanks a lot, Shane, for joining me. And we also want to thank those uh, listeners who listen to us each week, uh, especially those listeners who are housebound and lonely and struggling. And we're not just using those words. We know that our people are on their own because I meet them. And they tell me how appreciative they are of being able to listen to their programme Mainly, I mean, 10 a.m. in the morning these days. We'll come to that in a second. Uh, Sunday mornings at 10 a.m., but also Sunday night at 11 p.m. Thanks a lot for your support and thanks a lot for your, for your prayer support. Uh, again, our, our programme is broadcast on West Limit 102 FM at 10 a.m. and 11 p.m. each Sunday. The podcast of Sacred Space 102 FM are just some of the Come and See Inspiration podcasts available for playback and download at our Come and See Inspirations podcast page. You can access any of those um, previous podcasts that we've done over the last 13 years, 12, 13 years, at comeandseeinspirations.buzzspread.com, Spotify, iTunes, or other platforms, including Google Podcasts. We do have a Facebook page, uh, Come and See Inspirations, and each Sunday we we post the the um, normal Sunday, the uh, regular Sunday programme, and during the week, we post something from the archives. So people might be interested in maybe uh, logging on to Facebook, just taking a look at Come and See Inspirations there. And you might want to listen back to some of your favourite uh, podcast programmes that we that we have made over the last number of years. And maybe you want to pass them on, uh, pass that information on to people who are not in the area. Maybe you want to email them or text them with a link for some of those podcasts that they can, be, they, they can listen into them. But if you want to contact us uh, during the week or Sunday, please do so by texting 087-6088-667. That's 087-6088-667. Or email inspirations at gmail.com. inspirations at gmail.com. So with this part of the programme, we'll invite Shane to join us again and share uh, Saints for the Week. Thanks, Shane. Thanks, John. Um, so before I jump into Saints of the Week, a couple of bit of few liturgical odds and ends and notices and so forth and so forth. Um, just so that people might be interested, um, for the month of May, the Holy Father, Pope Francis, has asked for what's been called a rosary marathon each day of the month of May. And it is being prayed, um, and he opened it, it was opened uh, earlier in the week in the Vatican Basilica in Rome on last Saturday, the 1st of May. And the idea is that it's asking that the month of May will be dedicated to a marathon of prayer to ask for the end of the pandemic, which has afflicted the world for more than a year now, and to ask for the resumption of social and work activities. And very much focusing on his reflection on Saturday, the Pope focused on praying for, praying for a wounded world. Now, the, the marathon is being led by the various different Marian shrines around the world. And obviously, of course, now, um, our uh, knock is got that responsibility because it is an it is an international Marian and Eucharistic shrine. So, for those that would like to join in, um, 
no, it's the 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 different shrines that are that are being done every or where it's being led every day. So you've got Fatima, you have Lourdes, you have Medjugorje, you have Our Lady of Montserrat in Spain, you have the Basilica of Our Lady of the Immaculate Conception in Washington, you have Our Lady of Lebanon, which is just outside Beirut, uh, you've got Chesterkova in in Poland, Our Lady of Walsingham in England. So these are where all the the different the different rosaries are being are coming from. Now it's happening each day at uh, 5 o'clock, it's 5 p.m. Irish time, and it's generally available on the Vatican YouTube channel. But the Irish section of it, which obviously is the day at Knock, that is next Monday, that's tomorrow, uh, the 10th of May, and it's at 5 p.m. You can join with the with, with Archbishop Neary and the Rector, Monsignor Gibbons, uh, leading the prayer in of the rosary from Knock, I presume it'd be from the Apparition Channel Chapel. It's at five o'clock, and that'll be live on the Knock Shrine website, the Knock Shrine Facebook page, and on the Vatican um, media channel for those that might want to participate. So that's the rosary marathon for the month of May. And even if you can't watch it, if you wanted to join in each day and say a rosary at five o'clock, join with the prayers that are being offered offered at the request of Pope Francis. In addition to that, just want to flag to a couple of people as well, the Vatican has added a number of additional uh, invocations to the Litany of St. Joseph. Now, most Irish people will be will be familiar with the, the litany said at the end of the rosary, and that's generally called the Litany of Loretto. So it's the Litany of Our Lady. So, you know, Our, you know, Our Lady, you know, Tower of David, Ark of the Covenant, all of those, they're the titles that are given to Our Lady. There's also one which is given to St. Joseph, and the Holy Father has added a number of invocations. So that includes things like custody, uh, Guardian of the Redeemer, Servant of Christ, uh, patron of those in difficulty, patron of those afflicted, patron of the poor. Um, so it's 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 so they were approved by Pope Francis and they've been at, added to uh, just added to the litany of Saint Joseph. Now, just to say, the litany of Saint Joseph, it's a private litany. It's not one that people are regard you're required to say, uh, but it's a lovely. Um, pious devotion to, to, to invoke the prayers and the devotions to particular saints. Obviously, the key ones would be kind of like the Litany to Our Lady, the Litany of Loretto, there's the Litany to the Sacred Heart, the Litany to the Holy Name. Um, these are the ones that are approved officially. And of course, we have all, we have local ones as well that people would be familiar with. But I just thought it was an interesting one, particularly as it is the year of St. Joseph. Lovely. So now, John, Saints of the Week. Uh, so for those of us on the liturgical calendar, we're on the sixth week of Easter, as today is the sixth Sunday of Easter. It's not too long now, folks. It'll it'll be next Sunday is Ascension, and the Sunday after that is Pentecost. So we're rapidly running out of Easter tide. Uh, for those of us praying the Psalter, we're on week two. So Monday is the feast of St. Comgal on the Irish calendar. Now, he's Comgal of Bangor. He's known as one of the 12 apostles of Ireland. He's one of those saints associated with the early saints. So he's a student of St. Fintan and St. Kieran at Clonmacnoise. He was a friend of St. Brendan, St. Cormac, St. Kevin of Lindelock and Finbar of Moville. Um, he was a spiritual teacher of St. Cronin Mucha. And he's very much associated with the area around Loch Erne, up around Bangor in County Down. And he established a monastery there around 552 AD. At one stage, it's supposed to have had 8,000 monks. That's not a monastery. That's a city. Uh, <laughs> the, yeah. rule, 
the rule was he was supposed to be quite strict in terms of rules. Um, the Limerick connection, there's always a Limerick connection. He's supposed to have been the spiritual teacher of St. Lua of Limerick, and he died in 601 at Bangor in, in County Down. So that's St. That's Comgal. On the Tuesday, the 11th, we have the feast day of St. Uh, Francis of Girolamo. Uh, he, sorry, he's an Italian, yes, an Italian saint, a Jesuit saint, uh, studied theology and canon law, was ordained in 1666, uh, joined the Jesuits at the age of 28 in 1670, was a very successful and effective preacher, ministering particularly in prisons, brothels and on the galleys and converted many prisoners of war who were of Muslim or Turkish extraction. And he organized uh, you know, numerous miracles or a tribute to him after his life. And he, his coffin was thronged by the people of Naples during his funeral procession. And he died in 1716. Wednesday the 12th is the feast day of St. Nereus and Achelius and St. Pancreas. Uh, Nereus and Achelius were martyred in 304 under Diocletian. They were Roman soldiers who, on conversion, refused further military service. Pancreas is an interesting one because, of course, if any of you who have been to London, the name will be very familiar to it if you've been to the train station. Uh, isn't there a train station called Pancreas? That's, in, in, that's in, right. That's right. In, yeah. in, in, in London, John? There is. So there is. It's, uh, it's, it's due to the fact, one second up. Uh, it is due to the fact he died in Rome in 304 AD, again under the Diocletian um, persecutions, and he was buried on the Aurelian Way. However, he was... Um, I can't find where the connection is with, Rome, with London. I'll have to come back to you on that one, John. Remind me next week. Remind me of Pancreas next week. Make a note of that one, because I've just realized it's not on the page that I'm looking at, so I'll have to come back to it. But anyway, he's he's also he also suffered with Nereus and Achelius under the Diocletian persecutions. Thursday, the 13th of May, of course, is a red-letter day for many people, because, of course, it is the feast day of Our Lady of Fatima. The apparitions of the three children in Fatima took place in the summer of 1917, beginning on the 13th of May, when the Lady asked them to pray for sinners and an end to the world war. In the final apparition of the 13th of October, the Lady identified herself as Our Lady of the Rosary and called for prayer and conversion. Now, just to note for our international listeners, Ireland maintain, uh, celebrates the Feast of the Ascension on Sunday, not Thursday. So there will be a slight difference with us in some liturgical calendars as some p countries still maintain the Feast of the Ascension on Ascension Thursday, which would be celebrated that day as well. Finally, then, our second, moving on, John, Friday the 14th is the Feast Day of St. Matthias the Apostle. It's a feast day. Matthias was, like all the apostles, was a witness for Christ. Uh, Matthias is one of the ones you can overlook him at time. He's the guy that was elected to replace Judas. Um, he's associated with Judea and he travelled east to Cappadocia, which is now in Turkey. His relics were brought to Rome by St. Helena and he was martyred at the, on the edge of the Black Sea. So that's Matthias, whose feast day we celebrate on the 14th of May. And then finally, on the 15th, we celebrate on the Irish calendar, we celebrate the feast day of St. Carthage, uh, very much a saint associated with Lismore, Waterford and Lismore. Uh, originally, he was from Kerry, um, and he, as a child, as he loved the chanting of the Psalms, it is said that a local king arranged for him to become a priest. Uh, he founded his own monastery at Rahan in 595, which grew very rapidly, and he moved southwards after a bit of local opposition around 637 AD. 
Uh, he died in 630, 638 in Lismore. So that's Waterford and Lismore, which is uh, in the care of Bishop Fancy, I think, isn't it? Isn't it? Um, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So, and as I said, then next Sunday will, is the Feast of the Ascension of the Lord. Now, of course, John, the other big news this week, of course, is the return to public liturgies. So, as of the 10th of May, we can open the doors of our churches and return for the celebration of the Eucharist with a number of people in the congregations. Now, folks, just to remind you, the restrictions still apply. And as it stands at the moment, that means 50 people in the buildings, depending on its size, which means the stewards will be back on duty. There is two meter distancing, so no one clustering together in seats. So obviously, unless, of course, you're in a bubble. And it will apply the restrictions about the distribution of communion and so on and so forth still apply uh, for the moment. So just to remind people of that, it is a great thing to be able to return to the public liturgy of the Mass, returning together as a praying community. Encouraging people, don't necessarily wait until the Sunday. If you can go during a time during the week, um, the bishop and the dioceses are encouraging that where possible. Reminder to people that the obligation to attend Mass on a Sunday is still suspended for the duration of the pandemic by the Episcopal Conference, so that you know there's no obligation under but we people if people want to attend they are encouraged to attend during the week so that particularly um you know particularly to accommodate people that might be working or people with children and so on and so forth that are going to school uh it might be a bit easier for them to go at the weekend so if you could go during the week um and for you know and fulfill your devotion your your devotion that way to the Eucharist. But it's great and hopefully long may it continue as things progress during the summer. Um, and obviously as well to say to people, you know, masses are reopening. Parishes will be in financial difficulty. There is no two ways around it. I think the average across the Limerick Diocese is da- income is down between 35 and 70%. Parishes still have to pay the ESB bill. They still have to keep the lights on. They still have to pay the aisle bill. They still have to pay the insurance. Uh, you know, all those types of things still have to happen. So if you can contribute to the cost of your parishes, I'm sure it would be greatly appreciated and to encourage people to do so as much as they can. Uh, as well as that, just to remind people as well, you know, the cost of those webcams that you've been watching mass on, they're not cheap and that to keep them operational, their bills do have to be paid. So if you can make contributions to the parish to cover those costs, it would be pre- very gratefully received, I am sure, across all the parishes of the diocese. But as you said, John, it is a great day for us to be able to return to the public celebration of the Mass, uh, and long may it continue. Praise be the Lord. Thank you very much indeed for that, Shane, to remind us now of that, of that good news again. But uh, here in the programme, there's a spiritual communion prayer that we pray each Sunday, and that's for those of us who can't get to Mass. And this is the prayer we pray. My Jesus, I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot now receive you sacramentally, come spiritually into my soul. I embrace you as being already there. I unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen. So now we go for our first bit of music this morning. And this being May, and Shane just mentioned there about the rosary being prayed tomorrow in Nock, I thought I'd play one. I think I might have played it once before here in the programme. It's um, it's called The Medical of the Rosary, and it's sung by Elvis Presley. You won't hear that too often in the programme. Let's listen to this. Come back and join us again in part two. Oh, blessed Mother, we pray to thee. Thanks for the miracle of your rosary. 
Only you can hold back your holy son's hand long enough for the whole world to understand. Welcome back again to the second part of Sacred Space 102 FM, West, West Limit 102. My name is John Keeley, still joined by Shane Ambrose. And um, this morning I want to bring a special guest to our program. I, I recently watched a documentary, I think I've seen it on Nationwide actually. It was called Kilimanjaro Mama Documentary that illustrates that one person really can make a difference. Despite dealing with many challenges, Trilly native Louise Gwill continues to transform the lives of the orphaned and abandoned children in Tanzania. So to tell us more about this story, it's my pleasure to welcome onto our programme today the lady herself, Louise. Welcome, Louise, and thanks again for sharing with us this morning. Thank you, John, and thank you for bringing me on to share my story with you and all your listeners. So I believe this, this journey started off at the end of your final year in UCC when you volunteered to spend some time at an orphanage in Tanzania. What impact or what, what effect did that have on you and how did this change your life? So I always wanted to volunteer, even as a young child, I had a fascination with Africa and my opportunity came in 2006 when I was graduating from UCC and my placement was actually in Kilimanjaro in Tanzania and I suppose when I went there and I kind of saw what was going on and the need of the children there and the need of the people, um, I suppose I took it upon myself um, to create this, this home and create these schools for the children of Tanzania because we could see a real need for a facility for them because I suppose their parents, a lot of them were passing away and they had, the children had nowhere to go. So I suppose it had a positive effect on me in one way because I did go and decide to start up this project. And yeah, sorry. Tell me, what made you start up a project yourself? I mean, wasn't there already people out there doing the same thing? Well, this was actually a completely different project. Uh, so the first place I worked in was run by an organization who had a big CEO at the top and all the money that was coming into the organization was going to the CEO and nothing was filtering down to the poor people that needed it. So we decided to change that model and I'm a voluntary director of Tiernan Oak. I do not get paid, I do not take expenses. Uh, so all the money that people donate, all of our money that's raised actually goes directly to the project. And I suppose that's why we've been so successful over the last 15 years. 
So tell me, going back again, how did you begin with all of this? I'm sure you've had no experience of setting up orphanage before. So how, how did you decide? No. So what happened is when I was um, working in the first orphanage, I actually met a local woman by the name of Monica Tukai, and we became really good friends. And she was actually volunteering her time in that orphanage as well, which I thought was really admirable because she had four children at home. And we got to talking one day and I kind of told her little things that were bothering me and that I couldn't believe that, you know, so many people were making money off the backs of the poor. And I said, look, why don't we join together and form our own organization? And I said, like, there's going to be no middleman. We'll, I'll be able to raise the money in Ireland and it can filter into our projects here. And we literally started from there. So we sourced a building before I went back home to Ireland and we decided that's where we were going to start um, Tiernan Oak. Now, at this stage, you, you really didn't have any organisation behind you back home, did you? Well, no, we created an entirely new one called Tierno. Yeah, so it, we don't get the backing from anyone else. It's a new organisation. So it's a, it was a brand new charity. OK, so you decided to set up this. Uh, how, how many children have you now um, within the orphanage? And so we have actually, we just went up to 60 because last week we got three new children. So we had 57, we now have 60, but we take kids that are short term as well. So maybe they will need us for a month or two weeks or six months and they stay with us then for that length of time and then they go back home. So permanent residents of our home, we're probably at around 57 now. When you first added off the organization, what sort of living conditions were the children so we rented a building which was fit for 25 children because we always kind of had in around 25 to 30 children and then over the years because it was a rented property and they refused to sell it to us um, it just kind of fell into disrepair and then our numbers started to rise so we took in uh, a lot more children and then over time we kind of had no space left for them um, so we have another a separate house in our farm area and that's where all our toddlers and our babies stay because we're not really equipped to take small babies, but sometimes they come and, you know, we have to look after them. And that's the reality of it. Tell me, how do these children end up being in an orphanage in the first place or looking for an orphanage in the first place? So it's all different. There's all different stories, really. A lot of them have actually lost both of their parents. Some of them have been abandoned and we've never been able to trace their family members. Um, some of them are just coming from really abusive uh, homes. We've had children who have been kind of rescued. They would have been child brides and they've been taken out of these marriage, arranged marriages. Uh, there's loads of different stories. Yeah, loads. And so the children can age between what? So our youngest is nearly two, um, but we do, have, we do sometimes get newborn babies. But our youngest is turning two this month and then our eldest is 24. Okay, so how many years have you, how many years have you been working with this now? Louise? Nearly 15 years. Wow, that's a long time. So the conditions have changed for those children during that time from when you first started. Yeah, and that's why we decided we were going to build a brand new facility for them to cater for 60 children um, because their accommodation at the minute is substandard. It's got lack of ventilation. There's lack of recreation space for them. So our construction date has actually been finalised now for the end of August this year. So we will be kicking off. And what we're going to do is build an entire children's village. So it's got cottage style housing. So each of our children now will have a mother in their house. Um, so that mother will be responsible for the, the well-being of the child. And I suppose it just creates a lovely little uh, family feel and that bit of security that they need, that family feel, yeah. Mm. In the documentary, um, it's mentioned that school lessons are taught through English. Why is this? Um, 
so some of them, you can go to Swahili speaking schools, but when you get to secondary school, everything is taught through English. So we decided to open an English medium school, which would be the equivalent of a Wales school here. So what they do is they learn to speak English from a very young age um, so that they're prepared for the secondary school system when it comes and again, prepared for university and college when that happens because their textbooks are all in English. So it's good to give them a good grounding in English from a young age. And have they moved on from secondary school within your own? Yeah, we have. We've got eight of them in college to have graduated, actually. So we've another six in college. So they're doing all different types of things. They're doing accountancy and law. We've got another girl going off doing medicine. One of the boys is leaving to do civil engineering. Uh, we have a girl doing a beautician's course. There's all different things. Whatever they want to do, they can they can do it. And have you got a kind of a roadmap or, or, or kind of facility whereby, you know, once they once they leave secondary school, they can move into society in general? I mean, have you got a kind of a halfway houses or things like that? Yeah. So within our new building, we'll have that kind of a structure set up as like a halfway house um, just to support them until they're finished university. And then but what we've started doing is actually we've started if those who are ready. We've started to re-employ them into our own organization. So we have a girl finishing her accountancy degree soon and we hope to hire her full time. And then one of our boys has actually finished with a marketing and tourism degree and we've set him up in business. So we've um, set up our own tour company there so he can do all of the safaris. He can do the Kilimanjaro climb uh, with international tours. So we support them, yeah, right the way through. When I was listening to the documentary, one young lady said in the documentary, and I quote, I'm the boss of my future. If I fail, my future fails. I have to be strong. I have to study and work well. Very wise words which, which, which we could all take on board. That young lady, I believe, uh, would have been in your orphanage all her school life. You certainly made a difference to her. And you supported, uh, and you certainly supported in whatever she aims to do in life. But what lessons do you think we can take from your experience in Kilimanjaro? Um, I suppose, look, that was Ava that was featured in the documentary and just to be aware that the children of Tanzania know that the education is their passport out of poverty and that's why it's so valued there and they must invest in their education first. They're one of 60 million people. I mean, they have to stand out. They have to do something and create opportunity for themselves. Um, I suppose the lessons that I've taken personally would be, and I think a lot of people who, who travel with me would, would feel the same, is that we, we very quickly begin to recognize the abundance of blessings that we have in our own lives and that we like to express gratitude for everything that we've been given. Mm -hmm. And it just makes you really appreciate, do you know what, I won the birth lottery here. I grew up in a good family. I was educated. I can eat food three times a day. There are still people in 2021 who are dying from starvation. And I think that's a very difficult thing to understand. Um, and there's people fighting to be educated. I mean, you can have maybe young people here and they don't care and they're given free education and maybe they don't respect that or whatever. But, you know, the Tanzanian people, they, they fight for their education. They want to be educated. They want to better themselves. What keeps you going on it? Because I'm thinking about a young lady who went out there just to experience and thinking you might get a little bit of experience maybe for a few months or whatever. 15 years later, you're still there. What keeps you going? Um, I think when I get to sit back and I can see them strive and achieve things, then I know what I'm doing is correct. And then I don't have any regrets about it because I can see they're just, 
I can revert my mind back 15 years when some of them were only small little, small little babies, small toddlers. And then when I can see them graduating from secondary school, going on to college, and I'm just like, you know what? Our system is working. Our model is working. And that was the aim all along, is to create the future leaders of Tanzania, the future generation. So you're certainly stuck at what your your dream was, just to stay with it. And all right, I'm sure it was no plain sailing. But I suppose some of our listeners might be might be listening this morning, might be saying, yeah, this is great work now that this lady has started off. If they want to help, how, how can they do it? Okay, so we do have a really good um, website. Our website is www.tiernanoborphanage.com and we have so many ways of helping uh, through the website. You can make a single donation, you can sponsor a child on a monthly basis, you can fundraise on behalf of Tiernano. Um, there's a lot of different options, yeah. Or just maybe support the fundraisers that we're, we have going on at the minute. And on that particular website, um, the YouTube is also on that? Um, yeah, so our Kilimanjaro Mama is free to view on YouTube. Yeah, you can just Google it even and it'll come up on YouTube, yeah. Louise, thanks a lot for for joining us today and and sharing that story. It's a story that um, I think is fantastic because it's someone who, who saw a need wasn't put off with the daunting task that seemed to be maybe you probably didn't look in front maybe too often because if you did you probably wouldn't have got it on with it but you stay with it for 15 years well done uh, and listen hopefully um, some of our listeners will be able to help you and certainly just go into that um, that website again and the website again is www.tiernanoorphanage.com okay now right at the end of the um, of the YouTube the young children are singing a song. Is that a particular song or is the message in that? Or can you tell us, can you introduce a song while we play it out, please? Well, actually, a lot of people don't know, but the children provided the entire music for the, for the whole of the documentary. So that's them singing right throughout. And they actually Whoa. went and released an album of their music last year within, um, from the church that they're part of the choir there. So they, I have a thousand copies in my room upstairs. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, so it's beautiful. So... So if, if you broke down the meaning of the song, I suppose the meaning of the song, uh, it, it translates as uh, my, my journey to heaven. That's what it translates as, my journey to heaven. What a wonderful way to finish off the interview. In the meantime, thanks a lot, Louise. For, Thank you for having me. For joining us and uh, best of luck with your future work and we'll see what work we can help you out with. Thank you, John. Bye.
so welcome back again to the third part of Sacred Space 102FM um, here in West Limit 102. My name is John Keeley, still joined by Shane Ambrose. And again, thanks to Louise Quill, who joined us there this morning to tell us about her project, Kilimanjaro Mama. But now it's time for us to uh, read and reflect on the Word of God, the Sunday Gospel. Before that, we'll ask Shane to pray this prayer before reading and reflecting on Scripture. Thanks, Shane. Lord, we thank you for putting us in the presence of your word, which you inspired in your prophets. May we approach this word reverently, attentively, and humbly. May we not despise this word, but receive all it has to say to us. We know that our hearts are closed, often incapable of comprehending the simplicity of your love. Send your spirit to us so that receiving the word in truth and simplicity, our lives may be transformed by it. Let us not be resistant, Lord. May, we pe- may your word penetrate us like a two-edged sword. May our hearts be open to it, let our eyes be closed and our minds wander. But may we give ourselves entirely to this listening. We ask this, Father, in union with Mary, who used to recite the Psalms through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. So the Gospel for today, uh, the sixth Sunday after Easter, is taken from the Gospel of John, chapter 15, verse 9 to 17. Jesus said to his disciples, As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Remain in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my own joy may be in you and your joy be complete. This is my commandment. Love one another as I have loved you. A man could have no greater love than to lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. I shall not call you servants any more, because your servant does not know his because a servant does not know his master's business. I call you friends, because I have made known to you everything I've learned from my father. You did not choose me, no, I chose you, and I commissioned you to go out and bear fruit, fruit that will last, and then the father will give you anything you ask in my name. What I command you is to love one another. So that's the Gospel for today, for the sixth Sunday after Easter from the Gospel of John. Shane, have you got a few thoughts you might want to share with us, please? Yeah, um, we again are with the Gospel of John this Sunday, um, and it is, it's, it's, it's an unusual one, I suppose, in some respect. It's continuing on kind of where we stopped from last week, which was very much the, the vine, the, 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 the vine and the branches um, approach. And it's um, it's a gospel very much linking in, I suppose, with the great theme of John's writings, because John is very much the, the writer, the evangelist, the letter writer who focuses on the love of God, and it is John's letter which uh, is you know, God is love, Deus caritas est, um, which of course was the theme for one of the great uh, or one of the encyclicals of Benedict the Sixteenth. And, and you know, and the reminder to us, a reminder to us that Christianity isn't necessarily a religion of do's and don'ts. It's about relationship with Christ, and that's something I suppose that we can tend to overlook at times, or gets overlooked, or gets hidden away. Um, particularly where things focus on kind of moral teachings and so on and so forth. Uh, so it's one of the things that Pope Francis has reminded us since he took over or sorry since he became pope is very much the focus on the mercy of god is a key part of it it's love and mercy 
the gospel this week it was an interesting thing just reflecting on a couple of things one thing one suggestion that was made is when you're reading this week's gospel and you're reflecting on this week's gospel it starts out and it says jesus said to his disciples and one person one reflection i read this week it was saying instead of saying jesus said to his disciples how about you put in your own name there so it's like jesus said to me or you put in your name or jesus said to john or jesus said to shane and to read it from that point of view and to see what way it reflects and what way it talks about. The other thing I suppose that we need to talk about or we just need to mention, I suppose, is the 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 word love. Um, I wasn't going to go into it, but I suppose it, it is an important thing that I suppose it has to be said from a faith point of view. It's a term, it's a word which we use very liberally in, our, in English. And the word of it, the understanding of it has become very diluted or hackneyed at times um, but when you're looking particularly at scripture and we're looking at the language that scripture was written in um, obviously a lot of the, the the first accounts in scripture and particularly in the gospels are in Greek and the word that they use there's a distinction made in Greek for love between agape and eros and it's an important thing I think which kind of feeds into this week's reflection on the gospel so eros is more that um, erotic you know, eros, erotic, uh, kind of uh, sexual love from that point of view. Whereas agape is more the term which is um, that sense of fellowship, communion, community, brotherhood, sisterhood, uh, that sense of awareness of the, of the other aside from myself. And, you know, but... I suppose the easiest way to look at it is when we're looking at it in the context of the Gospels, it's that agape which St. John is talking about. And it basically, it's this idea that flows from the conviction that, you know, God himself has loved us first. You know, not our love for God, but God's love for us when he sent his son to be the sacrifice that takes away our sins, which is from the second reading today. And it's just something just to, to be thinking about when you're, when you're reading through something like this from John, um, to kind of to bear that in the back of your mind in terms of the understanding of the word, because sometimes to be you know sometimes we the translation in English you know it, it loses some of its nuances sometimes when we're, we're looking at it. But anyway, back to the gospel this week and what does it say and what does it say to us and what do we need to think about what do we need to reflect upon and as you know as we do each week we say to people you need to reflect on it to pray it to live it to live with it rather during the week so just hearing it once on a sunday morning from myself or from john or hearing it once on the church from a church or a priest whichever the case might be is not sufficient you really need to to have it to read in it to reflect in it to pause with it to set a bit of time aside during the week uh, as that little piece of scripture that will take you through the week and to engage with it because one thing that we are reminded of always is when we talk about scripture it's not something that was written 2000 years ago and stood still scripture we believe as Christians is the word of God which still speaks to us today even in our present moment even in the difficulties and the trials that we have at this present time and surely if you know if ever there is a reading that speaks to our present trial and to give us love and to give us reassurance is this gospel reading this morning where Jesus says as the father has loved me so I have loved you remain in my love so we are always called to remain in the love of God the invitation is always there for us no matter who we are no matter what we think we are no matter where we come from or what we are that the invitation is always there to be in communion community and love with Jesus 
Um, I have told you this, that my own joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. And that's something, I suppose, that, that can be a bit challenging. I've noticed recently there's been quite a number of programs on television about, you know, and on the radio as well, about mental health and awareness and self-mindfulness and meditation. And it's been interesting, you know, there was there was people recently that were interviewed and the gentleman was promoting or telling us how he had discovered um, meditation in the Buddhist tradition. And, I, you know, and it, it just struck me that, you know, for Christians, you know, we should look to our own tradition first. It's something actually the Dalai Lama said. He would say, when he was asked, what would he say to people from the West uh, that would come to visit? And he said, look to your own tradition first for that which you seek. And it's that reminder to us that, you know, we need to seek that which fills the hole that's in our hearts. St. Augustine put it very much like, we search for thee, God. We, you know, we are, our, hearts are search, our hearts are restless until they rest in thee. And it is that sense of gap, that sense of longing that's within each and every one of us as a human being, which is that search for the divine that we're asked to look on, to explore and to find ways of living in love with God and that invitation that our joy may be complete knowing that we've responded to that invitation to let God into that space in our hearts this is my commandment love one another as I have loved you the great commandment is, is the great commandment of Christ it is the summation of the prophets the law and the teachings of faith that we profess love one another as I have loved you now one thing I would say to listeners this morning is you need to be very careful with that statement because it's one that we're overly familiar with and it's sometimes you can overlook it because if you break it down it is one two three four five six seven eight words and each one of those words would be a reflection in itself love one another as i have loved you so the word the two words that i want to focus on there today is uh, i i that i have loved you and if you think about it, who's speaking to us? It's Christ. It's Jesus. It's the I that have loved you. Now, if you think about it that way, what way has Christ demonstrated his love for each one of us? He has laid down the ultimate sacrifice. A man without sin, who God who came down to earth, walked on the human form, became one like us in all ways except sin, and ultimately walked to Calvary and up on a cross for each of us huge ask and that is the ask that is there for each one of us love one another as i have loved you he is giving himself as the example he is giving himself as the as the as the as the one that we are to follow and that in itself is a huge challenge and you know the reality is you know we can't necessarily live up to that ideal without help from the spirit without help from god without help from each other without looking for that support from God and he goes on now remember when we're talking here with this section from John's gospel it's before the crucifixion it's before the passion and he says to his disciples a man can have no greater love than to lay down his life for his friends you are my friends if you do what I command you I shall not call you servants anymore because a servant does not know his master's business so again we have this idea this whole theme that's going through a man can have no greater love than to lay down his life for his friends so jesus was preparing the disciples for what was to happen now chances are it went completely over their heads chances are um until afterwards when they really understood what he had said and i love that i call you friends we're called friends think about that 
Jesus is calling you and me friend. A friend, you know, I, I came across a funny meme recently. You know, a true friend is someone who walks in when the rest of the world walks out. You know, Christ never leaves. He is the friend that is there to listen to us, to console us, to support us, if we are willing and open to having that relationship with, relationship with him and listening to the prompting of the divine in each one of us. Each of us listening and opening open to that call that he makes to each one of us. It's a great one here, a great line. You did not chose me. No, I chose you and I commissioned you to go out and bear fruit, fruit that will last. That's a scary one, if you think about it, right? I don't know about the rest of you, but I find that a little a little alarming. You did not chose me. No, I chose you. You were chosen. John, you were chosen. Anne, you were chosen. Mary, you were chosen. You know, each of us has been chosen and picked and set aside. You have been baptized into Christ. You have been anointed at your baptism, prophet, priest, and king. You are set aside for God's work, whatever that work may be. And you are special to God. Now, the problem is in Ireland, we're not great at listening to that because as a culture, we have a tendency to put ourselves down. We have a tendency to put the other before ourselves. And yes, we are called to love our neighbor, help our neighbor, but you cannot love your neighbor if you do not love yourself first. The danger, of course, is that it could go the other extreme where you could become completely self-obsessed. Now, that is the danger that's there. But each of us is called, you cannot love your neighbor if you do not love yourself. It's not possible because what Jesus said is, love one another as I have loved you. You have to be able to love yourself. So if there's a time or a space where you're not able to do that, then it's going to be very difficult to respond to the call of Jesus. But the reminder to each of us, you did not chose me, no, I chose you, and I commissioned you to go out and to bear fruit. To bear fruit in our lives. Now, that could seem very dramatic. Now, we were just listening to, to Louise on the part two of the program. Now, she's gone off and the fruits are the great work that she's doing in Tanzania, for example. But we're not all called to go out and do dramatic things like that in some ways. You know, as we've said in the program quite a number of times in the last couple of weeks, St. Therese of Lisieux reminds us of the little way. That idea that you find your response to God in the place that you are at that moment in time. You know, just as much as you have this, the, the, the garden that God sets before him with the roses and the dahlias and the peony roses and all and so forth, it also needs the daisies and the little violets and the cowslips and the, you know, and the bluebells to set it off. All have their part to play in the garden that God sets out in the world and each of us is one of those flowers. And we have to find our place that we are as one of those flowers. If you ask anything, if you, I commissioned you to go out and to bear fruit, fruit that will last. And then the Father will give you anything you ask of him in my name. What I command you is to love one another. Twice in this particular week's gospel, the command is given. It is not often that Jesus gives commands in the scripture that's recounted to us. There is two that is given. One is the, this week's gospel from John. The command is love one another. And it is said that when St. John was dying on the island of Patmos, up to his last moments, he said to his disciples, he said, love one another. Love, love, love is what it all is about. 
The second command that was given was that that we hear in the Gospel of Matthew, in the closing account of Matthew and Luke, where he says, go out baptizing all the world and baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. They're the two commands that Christ has given us. They're the two things that we are follow, as followers are commanded to do. But this Sunday's Gospel, if you think about nothing else, love one another as I have loved you. You did not choose me, I chose you, and I commissioned you to go out and to bear fruit. You did not choose me, I chose you. I think in the world that we're in ever so much at this time, John, where people are so low and so afraid and so tired and feeling that maybe some parts of the society are casting them aside, you are chosen by God, you are loved by God, and don't forget us. Shane, thank you very much indeed for that beautiful reflection. Thank you so much. Actually, I, I picked up a, a reflection today, continuing on with my good friend Michael de Vertai, and he was actually part of his reflection, uh, also focused on what Shane just shared with us. He says, This is so important that you did not choose me, no, I chose you, says Michael de Vertai. This is so important. We often act as if we're the ones responsible for loving others. We do not really choose the person we decide to love. It's God who chooses us to reach out to them. I'll read that again. We, don't, we do not really choose the person we decide to love. It's God who chooses us to reach out to them. We must be aware of this fact and respond accordingly. That hit me big time. It's not me, but it's God who chooses the person that's in front of me. Then Jesus gives us an important lesson. I commissioned you. Means first that he sent us out, and there we are to go out and bring forth results. The results are simply to bear fruit, to show the world what our love has accomplished. Then he adds another important corollary the kind of fruit that I know will last. It must not be fruit that no one can understand or accept, it must be the kind that we all know will last. Then Jesus makes a very important point The Father will give you anything you ask in my name. The Father in heaven will therefore give honour to all those who bear the name of Jesus written in their hearts. But, Jesus, the climax strikingly in its simplicity. When all is said and done, what really counts in life is the principle of love. Once we know how to love, we have kept all that the Lord's commandments. And I'll just repeat again those, those sentences that he, he uses out of his reflection. We do not really choose the person we decide to love. It's God who chooses us to reach out to them. We must be aware of this fact and respond accordingly. So it's not that easy. It's the Lord that's asking us to do it. And, and if we want to do the Lord's will and follow his ways, that's what we're asked to do. Anyway, that about brings us to the end of the programme for this week. Thanks again, Shane, for, for joining me this morning. We hope listeners, um, between what Louise uh, Quill shared with us this morning and, and, and Shane's reflections and my own few thoughts we hope that I'll bring you some hope and some solace in these times and the music that I'm going to go out with this morning is something that um, is important I suppose because in this month of May uh, a lot of people have a devotion to Our Lady in particular to Our Lady of Fatima so I'm going to go out with a piece of music that actually Shane passed through to me this week it's a Lady of Fatima song, and this one is sung by Gladys Cullen. So next week for myself and Shane, thanks again for, for, for joining us. 
hope you enjoy the week and we'll speak to you again next week. We'll do it all again. God bless now. Bye.